Thank you for listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast. For early access to new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive access to the Sultry Soundbites, the Kinky Community Discord channel, and more sexy bonuses, sign up at patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. That's patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Opal, a 25-year-old death care worker, end-of-life doula, and medical assistant who enjoys flower therapy, entrepreneurship, sustainable living, and Qui-Gon. She discusses Tantra, the intersection between spirituality and sexuality, attaining multiple and no-touch orgasms, and conscious celibacy. We dive into the relationship between the feminine and masculine divine energies, the importance of learning how to turn yourself on, the potential to self-sabotage our sex lives, and the reimagining of sex and life as art. We also discuss gender roles, sexual healing, the impact of cults, and the importance of self-love in all respects. I absolutely loved this conversation. It was deep, it was spiritual, it was sensual, and it was enlightening, both in terms of informing me about different aspects of tantra, sexuality, sensuality, but also about art and life in general. I got a lot out of this episode, and I know you will too. But before we get into it, I just want to remind you that if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'll play you a part from my book, Kink, Volume 1. But without further ado, here's Opal. Awesome. So thanks for jumping on board, Opal. Um, Let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm looking over... um, the sort of the pre-information that you sent. There's a few things I want to just touch upon because there's quite quite a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Um, I want to jump straight in, if possible. You're talking about um, Tantra, specifically um, transcendental states and connecting to the divine through sexual intimacy. So we'll go, we'll go right, right into the hard, um, <laughs> the deep stuff. Um, but perhaps you can sort of share about that because I feel like there's a lot of I don't know, preconceived notions or stigma or cliches around Tantra. Um, I don't know that much. So it would be good to to hear hear from a practitioner where they're at and what they're doing and we can dive into it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am all about the embodiment healing arts and allowing that to introduce me to Tantra. Actually, you know, there's two sides to it, sensuality and sexuality. And it's all about this spiritual initiation that I believe every person goes through in their own way. At least that's my belief. Some people who may not be into spirituality But I think that spirituality and sexuality have an intersection and a meeting point to where we don't only like meet ourselves, like we crack ourselves completely open to divine bliss and ecstasy, right? That's something that, you know, if you're into kink, 
then ecstasy is probably something that you're seeking after. You know, it's it's highly sought after. I mean, obviously, that's why there's drugs that induce that <laughs> too. And um, yeah, I think that for me, a huge part of it has been this reclamation and liberation where I am holding myself in what I am referring to as the greatest love story ever told through meeting the divine and through embracing that. And it does get to the point of sex when you walk the journey long enough and you're not in it just to be like, Ooh, let's go see if we can like have like five orgasms or like experience a 40 hour orgasm or like, Maybe like my partner will have the most mind blowing sex and they'll see me as a juicy goddess and, you know, like <laughs> all of those things. So for me, yeah, it's, it's been a, a process of meeting myself in all of the initiations and then also with others. And that's an exciting role that I'm getting to play. I love it. I, I do, there's a, there's a lot that I want to dig into there. Um, but just, I do agree there's a distinct uh, interaction between sex and spirituality and like sort of self-healing, self-knowledge. It's that there's, from the external perspective, it may seem like it's not, but the more of these conversations I have and the more people I talk to, everyone's talking about how they're, you know, discovering their truth or, you know, healing from past issues or sort of finding something more than the mundane. And like, it's, it's just from like a, almost a physiological perspective, even if you just consider what an orgasm is, it's in no other no other state of being can you you know effectively i don't know friction equals pleasure right there's something interesting about that fact alone um but it's with someone else and if you don't have an emotional connection an intellectual connection a spiritual connection friction's only friction right and it's not that great <laughs> so there's lots down these paths that i'm i'm sort of curious about um you mentioned like a 40 hour orgasm or multiple orgasms and this sort of stuff. Can you go into how, how that works or how one could sort of move themselves towards that space? Yes. If I said hour, I think I meant minute. I, am I was right. going to say that like 40 yeah. hours is a long time. <laughs> 40 minutes is, is um four that, minutes. Yeah. Maybe that sounds like a kinky weekend getaway where you're experienced, you know, but no, so I did mean 40 minutes. Um, and, but the state of multiple orgasms, right? Um, and that's something that I had never experienced until I started to use different tools that my body provided to be able to tap deeper in. And one of those was breath and then connecting the mind and the heart and the body or the pussy or the, in some tantric, um, means we call cox lingams and um, I'm sure for men too they have that heart connection <laughs> even though it's kind of like oh Never. don't with your no. don't with your dad. no idea what you're talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but also I think that really goes into how our sex ed is. And that's something that I'm kind of like passionate about as I am a mother to a son. And I'm like, how do I want to raise this little being to be mm. able to, you know, be conscious sexually and to not be sheltered, you know, or to embrace himself. So that's, you know, but aside from that, back into what we were 
discussing, oh, the breath has been a tool for me to be able to orgasm without touch. And I mean, full release. Um, and it's allowed me to go back into um, after there is the big O with touch and with exploration and sexual exchange to go back into and find that bliss again and keep creating it. And it's usually in hypnotic states. This happens. I don't want to say I can control my body, but there's like this creative vibrancy. And in spirituality, often life force and like sexual energy is a likened to creative energy. And they're pretty much like the same when you start getting into, you know, that type of energy, which is interesting. Um, so you're talking about like a no, a no touch sort of breath work inspired <laughs> orgasm or sort of getting back into the orgasmic state from that. Mm-hmm. Couple of questions down that path. Um, sure. What what is like the, the 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 training, the physical process that you're doing to induce that? Like you sort of you you said hypnosis, like a self hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've spoken to a few people about this, and I've read stories of people that can control their body, like people that can you know make half their hand hotter than the other half. People that can you know like there's there's the mind and the body are deeply interconnected in ways that. Western science is only just sort of starting to recognize, you know, there's a whole bunch of breathwork stuff that's in the forefront. But if you look at Eastern philosophies, they've been doing it for years. Um, And there's a bit of mysticism that I think blocks a lot of the Western sort of the the regular sort of, I would say vanilla, um, spiritual vanillas um, (laughs) from um, embracing it because you have to sort of deconstruct the the woo-woo and the stuff that sort of goes against their own spirituality to sort of get the gold that sort of fits in the middle of, you know, a sort of Anglo-Western sort of Christian idea. You, you sort of see what I'm going for here. Um, I've I've looked into it myself, but I'm just sort of curious of the the process and, you know, is there books? Is there classes? Like, how can I learn to do this myself? Because I am very keen on being able to breathe myself, in, myself into orgasm along with a whole bunch of other um, self-hypnotic bod- mind-body control because that's um, absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah, I'll share one of my teachers who actually has meditations in some of her courses. And her name is Maya Knight. And I believe that's with a, no, it's night, like day and night. I'll, I'll get you to, to give me a link and I'll put it into the show notes. Okay, amazing. Because her meditation had me squirting like five, six, seven times. And Whoa. then it's a cert, but that's when you get into like the cervix. So she has a cervical orgasm meditation that, um, and she has off other things to offer with that. And the main thing is somatics. You know, it's the the body without the mind story, and that's kind of you know a part of this process where you're speaking to the westernized, you know, colonized way of seeing it. And also, like scientists don't even believe that like a woman's squirt is not like pee, <laughs> you know? So um, it's, it's really severe in that way. But yeah, even the issue with the um, Eastern piece is that a lot of these texts have 
you know, it's been about only 50 years or maybe even 30, 30 to 50 years since these texts have even been translated to English for the Western world to be able to know. But there is so much out there. And a lot of it, at least for me, has been in releasing like my attachment to, okay, how does that happen? And fully connecting back into myself. I do this. One way that I do this is in the mornings. And this is really helpful for feminine based beings, really feminine beings, you know, tapping into and seeing how does my body feel this morning before I even wake out of bed and connecting to the essence of my heart and then dropping down into the power of my pussy. I believe there's a heart and pussy based coherence that I live by. One of my mantras is like, pussify your life. And <laughs> with that, then you're going to be, you know, tapped into your power always. And every single thing that you get to do in life gets to become, you know, delicious and rich. Can you can you give me a, a contrast of what a day would look like for you if you didn't sort of like a day that isn't pussified uh, versus a day that is, for lack of a better expression? Like what does like I see the value in connecting to the self. Like every morning I'll get up and meditate and exercise and it's sort of like, you know, grounding connection and that sort of stuff. So I see, definitely see the value in that. But what do, what do you get specifically that if you, for example, didn't do that, you would lose out on or maybe not be as strong in or that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are definitely times where I go, you know, a few days or sometimes weeks without really connecting to that. That's happened. And I don't want to say my life falls apart, but I, I really become disorganized and like disconnected from the beauty that I hold. And then I, you know, fall into like insecurities. And then that crosses over into my relationships too. And it shows up in my business, in my work in the world. It shows up in like how regulated I am, you know, like I think a, a powerful orgasm can really help. I don't want to say regulate the nervous system because I don't know that for a fact, but I do, I do think that it can help really regulate ourselves and our emotions. And so, yeah, I feel like just so much more connected when I am connecting. So what is the, the, the physical process? Are you sort of closing the eyes, sort of turning the inner camera inwards or is it sort of like an opening up and sort of feeling what's there? Like what, what do you actually I'm all about practicality. So if people are talking yeah. about like gangbangs, I'm like, how do you practically organize this? Um, if we're talking about like meditation, how do you how do you do it? Um, what's the what's the process like? Can you talk us through like a little bit of a process? You wake up um, and you decide to do do this sort of meditation for lack of a better expression. What do you do in that meditation to connect? Mm-hmm. Well, usually when I'm waking up, I also connect with the energy of gratitude, and so. Sometimes, like even just placing my hands on a part of my body where, you know, it feels like I could be hugged or embraced and then exploring that further, seeing what's there and then exploring it further. You know, there might be like, I might feel like I don't want to handle my day or I might feel angry at something that's going on. And I just get really curious and keep following those little crumbs of emotion and I invite more of myself in like primal energy in to open up and wake up. There might be times where in usually 
I try to end things the way I start them. So if I'm starting with my eyes closed, I know I'm going to take myself on a process and I might be like rolling around my bed and, you know, like feeling like I'm a big tiger and like clawing and getting energy out. Sometimes I might scream fuck into my pillow until I feel a release or, you know, just whatever the energy is taking me to. And then I try to circle it back by finding my breath when I get too far gone or setting an intention to feel more into what I want to experience for that day. And so usually when I've tapped into myself and my source of power, it's like, okay, what would I like to receive today feeling wise? And then I tap into the feeling. Maybe I want to feel support. Maybe I want to feel radiance, confident, wherever I go. And then I also tap into what I would like to receive um, just physically. <laughs> you know, maybe I want to receive um, more money or a client or I want to receive whatever the thing is. And I sit with that and I allow that to be my focus and my drive for how I'm going to move throughout my day. So it's, it sounds like it's a little bit of like a um, sort of like you, you, you're starting off sort of feeling what's coming and then you're sort of directing sort of where your focus will be for the day. And sort yeah, of harnessing sort of put, it. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I like this approach of like putting out there what you want. Um, it's funny. I, I talk to my partner about this all the time. Um, she's more sort of spiritual than I am, and I sort of look for the um, the agnostic uh, answer to the spiritual stuff. But I'm I'm sort of am spiritual my own way. But you know, like you're saying, you're putting out there. You want this sort of energy. You want sort of money. You want opportunity. You want connection. You want this. And I think that there's you know you put that out there, but you're also priming yourself to accept it when it comes. So like I'll walk down the street and you see heaps of people, and if I've put out there. No, no spirituality aside. It's just, just like, just in me that I want to have a connection. I want to have love. I want to have opportunity. Then I'm going to be standing up taller. I'm going to be smiling. I'm going to be looking for that to come to me. And just by sort of turning my inner focus towards abundance, towards, you know, money, towards connection, opportunity, whatever that thing is, I'm now open to seeing those things come back to me, if that makes sense. Like whether or not I'm, my intentions are influenced in the external world they're influencing me and I can now see those sort of things. I'm, I'm open to seeing them more so. Whereas if I'm closed off, I look at someone and they look a little bit dodgy. I'm now feeling, oh, they are dodgy because I'm in that closed off space and they're seeing me being closed off in just this reverberation, you know, sort of downward spiral reverberation or alternatively the upward spiral reverberation. Is, does, it, does that sort of resonate in any way? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's kind of like a reality reflects to us what, we're creating on some level or what we're feeling. And I feel like I literally, well, I don't feel, I think that our reality only seeks to validate what we're willing to allow in our lives. Mm. I, I want, I want to ask, like you mentioned at the start, um, the connection between sensuality and sexuality. Can you, can you expand upon that a little bit more? Because there's, there's different ways to look at sexuality, like if we're talking with partners, but there's a sensuality factor there as well of maybe as a foreplay or just as a connection, even like outside of the bedroom. So how, how do those two sort of similar but different concepts uh, interplay for you? Yeah, I definitely think they intertwine. 
and both of the energies support and add structure. And for me, I spent a period of time consciously celibate. And during that time, it was not no, like I wasn't cutting off pleasure or self-pleasure, but I was not going to be, you know, interacting and receiving any type of actual sexual energy from others. And for that time, it was like, well, you know, how can I embody this sensual energy where I feel pleasure, even if I'm not receiving it, you know, in the way that I think I should be. And so a part of it was like challenging these liminal beliefs of, okay, how are they going to evolve into serving me with how I feel inside my body? Because we (laughs) have a tendency to be really far out of our bodies and like we want connection, but if we're outside of ourselves, it's, we're going to have a hard time receiving that. And so for me, you know, sometimes it's about the way that I put on, it's, it's my own energy. It's me holding me, you know, the way I put on a dress or put on lipstick or dance and gaze in the mirror to fall in love with myself. Like that's a really big, important value that I hold before connecting with someone else um, on a deeper, intimate level. So for the sensuality, I definitely think that it shows up in like our, I mean, our senses. You can think about how are you going to invite, you know, scent or um, sensation the sight, the, what are you listening to? The music might be turning you on, or you might have incense burning that are really, you know, beautiful or the rose petals on the ground that invite that in as well. I'm very keen on like the sensual aesthetic when it comes to being turned on and feeling like I can open up. And so like a huge part of it for me, yeah, is opening up And feeling like, you know, I'm comfortable and safe to then, you know, get into like some more primal energy of like, you know, sex and sexuality. It sounds like you're describing like the, you know, the the feminine divine energy. Um, but then it's an interplay between like you sort of mentioning primality and some of the mm-hmm. other stuff you mentioned in the things, um, in the, the sort of the pre-questions you talked about sort of like looking at Shibari, looking at like a whole variety of things like consensual non-consent, you're talking about primality. So there seems to be a, a, a contrast here between like once you, once you feel safe, once you feel, um, able to open up, then it's like, yeah, embrace the totality because I fear that you know a feminine and masculine split it can be either completely aligned and then that can lead to you know beautiful um engaging connections sexual or non-sexual but if there's a disalignment it can it's just well it's disaligned right so it's Mm -hmm. it's yeah i don't know like i'm in the online space a lot and i get a lot of messages from people that are disconnected should we say who um just sort of into the DMs with like, hey, you want to fuck? And it's like, well, like, you know, like, <laughs> let's just check into the fact that we're talking to each other. Like we're both human. You know, it's just guys or girls that are going down that path. <laughs> what, what I want to know is, is how do you, 
it's, it sounds like you're sort of like finding this space internally. How do you balance this energy with someone else? So it's like a process of you finding what you need to get into this space. But obviously, if you're with someone else, you're sort of like spiraling into that space together in, in a way. How can you ensure that you're both sort of getting to the same place? Or more specifically, is is your is your goal to be is it is it sort of like a goal directed? I'm, I'm struggling to find the exact question I'm asking here, but it's like, let's say you want to have you're feeling. Are you led towards sexuality? Is it sort of a responsive sexuality, or are you leading that opening? Do you sort of see where I'm going at with this? It's masculine versus feminine, leading versus following, um, receptive versus like like responsive sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite exactly sure where I'm going with this, but there's something that that might pop up as we discuss. Yeah, no, totally. Just opening up a whole sector there because then, you know, what you were first talking about, uh, people just like entering the DMs like, hey, you want to fuck? You know, like that's like the whole dating world, but also like in hookup culture and even on like kink websites that I've noticed, like it's just like straight into the bases. And so... You know, I feel like, well, okay, we attract a lot of different people based on our own energy of what we're putting out, right? And with the masculine and the feminine aspects, you know, just being a woman, sometimes I do feel like uh, divine masculine is kind of like um, a rare delicacy, (laughs) Just, you know, there's so many women embodied and I've explored, you know, different avenues of opening up to both women and men and non-binary humans as well. And so like sometimes it's about deconstructing our view of masculine and feminine as well and leading and following um, because sometimes I would argue that <laughs> the the feminine, if we're talking about it in that sense, they say that, you know, the feminine wants the masculine to lead. And on some level, they just want the masculine to listen. And so leading is always great, but I feel like there's an ebb and a flow. It's more of a, it's like a dance, you know, between the partners. And I feel like when a feminine is leading more and allowing the masculine to follow, that's when a woman gets to tap into her dominance. And this is something I've been exploring in different ways of my life. And the more that like you tap into your dominance, I feel like a radiance comes from you and you know how to turn yourself on. And so like, that was kind of one thing that you were talking, uh, uh, talking to like receptive and giving, but like, like living a turned on life for me as a woman has been the thing that even if a man who I'm hooking up with doesn't have like the same like connection, we're not able to meet at the depths, like it's still going to be an experience for me. There was an encounter that I had and, um, you know, it was like deeply healing to like my erotic, innocent nature. There was like some toe sucking involved. And for some reason that just like, popped off like a childhood thing for me (laughs) like um and you know that's like what you're saying like the healing aspect to it but during it like there was just this part to it where I felt like numb inside and like I was fully aware of what was going on and I'm just like okay if you can feel numbness then 
you have to be with it because it's actually a feeling and there's nothing wrong with um, being numb or um, you if you're numb. And, you know, as I was able to like tap into and explore more why I was able to explore different roles that I could have played in while in that exchange. And, you know, obviously it stayed with me and I'm, I, you know, I got to be like, why did it, why did I feel so numb, you know? Um, and so a part of that for me is really finding a way to be in the ebb and flow of the dance of Sometimes you'll be being led and spun around and whatever. And sometimes, you know, you'll be the one where the spotlight is on you and, you know, you get to come alive, I guess. Is that landing as well? It is. I, I do want to drill down, like you, you're covering a lot of stuff, so it's it's hard to sort of address each each point without interrupting the flow. So sure. we'll take the conversation down multiple paths and I'll give you an opportunity to tie stuff up and hopefully we get a, a coherent discussion by the end of it. Um, I imagine with this, it's interesting to, to hear you sort of talk about this sort of embracing the numbness of that moment because... Uh, without the self-awareness or the self-work or the introspective thing, if someone's feeling numb, that's sort of like a, like a sign to like leave or like, I don't want this or like, it's like a, maybe a consent thing. But are you sort of describing that like you recognized that you weren't quite as connected or in or something like that? And rather than sort of running from that feeling, you sort of looked at it and going, okay, sort of what and why or how, like, how is it it's using that even something that's like, you know, I shouldn't be feeling numbness, but you are. The fact is you were. Does that, is that sort of using that sort of, you know, potentially, you know, quote unquote negative or non-ideal feeling as, as an, as a meditation, as a focus, as a, as a point of healing? Yes. And with that, I would say that the intelligence of life or the universe or the cosmic web of the fabric, some people call it God or Allah, Wonk and Tonka, all of the things, um, I would say is the kinkiest motherfucker alive. And for some reason, even like the depths of our negative shit, there's kink within it. And so like, it's actually really interesting to witness how we get off on things that you know might like hurt us in our lives and it shows up in the bedroom and within our sex lives as well and so like you know we might like have this pattern with self-sabotage or you know not we might leave with what we were saying about the numbness like I had the choice to leave like you were saying but I chose to stay with myself and see my emotion all the way through. And I think that's where it leads to the healing. It's about embodying whatever's going on and feeling it, seeing it all the way through. There's definitely something beautiful to that. I mean, like the greatest healing comes from the greatest pain, I feel. Um, and t touching upon this sort of, you know, interplay between like, if you think about what BDSM is or kink is, it's effectively like torture contextualized, right? Or like, you know, trauma, trauma with a different context. You know, if, 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 if I'm hitting you or, 
degrading you or we're playing with CNC or bondage or like whatever, like, you know, you can, you can reframe all of those words into something completely this almost, almost the same action. Um, but with a completely different context. And it's, it, it is, it is interesting to me to sort of recognize that people choose and get off on. And sometimes, and some people need to have those things, you know, like if it is a fetish, it's like they need to have it sexually to get off, but it is, you know, contextually, you know, in that context of sex, it's like, yeah, you can, you can hit me, but if you were to be hit half, half as hard, a quarter as hard in a different context, you're now suing the person. You know what I mean? There's, I find it quite interesting down that path that, yeah, there's this sort of like inner exploration of, of darkness or dark acts expressed differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's been a part of the work that I show up to is actually like my light and my darkness because within spirituality, you get into a lot of things that's like be love and light, but then what about the darkness that we might always be a part of that's pretty equal to our light as well. And so with that somatic practice that I do of tapping into my body, you know, sometimes this is more advanced, but like usually you do a posture or you let yourself dance without using your mind to dance. And so it might look really weird. You know, you might be like in a fetal position on the floor, like rocking back and forth or, you know, doing something really wild. It might not look like sensual might not look sexy (laughs) always with this practice especially when you get into the darkness as you were speaking to the divine feminine there's also like the dark mother you know that's an archetype an energy that can really uh encompass and flow through everyone and it's like our shadows and there's something uh very arousing i feel like about Um, our shadows, but like also getting off on our wounds, because I mean, like from a psychological standpoint, like we can be addicted and like, you know, to a certain kind of sadness type of energy where you are continuously like wanting to live out the same thing because you're just kind of stuck in a trauma loop. And so that can happen. And I think it can definitely show up you know, and sex too, but typically when we're like sabotaging our sex lives and we're not being able to have like a deeply um, satisfying experience or we're not allowing our full self to come out. And so that's a huge part of it is like finding that truth within us so that way we can unleash it and let it come out. I I like that a lot. I want to go down a couple of paths here. It sounds like, well, First question is, if you were with a partner that's like on board with this sort of internal spiritual connection, breath work, tantra, whatever, this sort of this sort of connection, right? I imagine you could go, you could explore deeply. But if you were with someone that like, like a hookup, for example, and obviously you're hooking up with them because you have a connection to them in some sense, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't have the, the sort of depth of introspective spiritual practice that you do. I imagine part of me wants to believe that like those experiences for you would be different, but then if you're sort of, it feels like in a way it would be sim- similar because you're sort of, you, you're sort of still tapping into this energy, whether or not you're with them. So like, yeah. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, speak to that 
or or potentially maybe there's something to speak to of how how does how does sex or intimacy look with someone with a similar sort of worldview as you compared to someone that doesn't have that same sort of worldview or would you just avoid that sort of person in general do you sort of see where i'm going for yeah no for sure i definitely have not avoided <laughs> things and maybe that hasn't been my uh, best decision but I've definitely learned from all of the encounters that I've had um I I would say I'm pretty selective these days but you know when I find someone who's like that I mean it definitely you just are in a meeting place where the I feel like I would consider the pussy as like the temple to God, (laughs) like the meeting place of heaven, heaven on earth. And it's like a portal, you know, maybe that's more resonant for some. But when you are being like fucked with life force, like a man who's like really in tune with like his energy, like he has a lot of vitality. And this is why it doesn't have to be like a man who's like super like spiritual because, you know, your life force can be and your vitality can be intact with like how, you know, maybe like martial arts is like, you know, an energy thing, but there's a lot of energetics that go into it. But, you know, like that energy of penetration, I feel. really brings in more of well what you want and so you could you could go anywhere with it it's basically a technology you know if you have a partner and you are meeting in that place like you guys can support each other and take your lives to the next level i have had that in a relationship kind of but there was a lot of abuse and distortion and trauma that that person inflicted on me. And so unfortunately, I've had to go through a healing process of my own. And I found glimpses of that in men that I've connected with, but it hasn't been to what I know is like out there for me. And so I can't fully speak to it. I can just speak to, you know, the bits and pieces that I have had. And it just makes me feel so fucking alive. You know, I feel like I spent a, a large portion of my life feeling, you know, depressed or down or depleted. And when I feel like I'm like, you know, touched in that way, there's this like opening, you know, I my soul, you know, really comes alive. And I just think that that's in itself. So, you know, it turns me on and it makes me want more. So, yeah, um, I, I'll i let you speak now. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, so, so you say you've become more selective. Would you ever engage with like a one-night stand situation? Yes, I would <laughs> because I think that's, you know, it kind of puts me in a new situation and that in itself, you know, turns me on. And so, so okay, so that that's good. We can keep going down this path. Um, the 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 energy, the vitality, the presence of someone, even if they're not like quote unquote spiritual, I feel like there's people that are more like checked in, are more present, are more sort of living their truth, and they might not have that sort of meta awareness that comes with sort of a mindfulness sort of t- detached practice. But it's like they are so truly and totally themselves. 
is there some sort of energy there that you connect with? I'm imagining that like if you're going to hook up with someone, even if it's just a one night thing or just like a, a brief sort of connection, it will be someone that's got a sort of a truth to them or like a they're embodying something more than just, I don't know, like I'm trying to like pin down the word, but I don't feel like there's this word. Like I like the word vitality, but just for me, there's, um, I'll, people ask like, what am I into or who am I into? Mm-hmm. And my answer is, is like, well, anyone that's sort of like nailing themselves as in like the their own look or they just understand, you know, they're, they're, whatever their look they're going for or whatever that look they are, the ones that have sort of like connected fully, you know, living their own truth. Like that to me is far hotter than like a bimbo look or, a, you know, a tattooed look or like whatever sort of cliched sort of style of person, quote unquote, you can have. It's like the person that's embracing their totality. Does that is that the sort of person that you would be sort of looking to connect with someone that's got the itness you know yeah it's like everything what you're saying it's like someone who has character <laughs> you know and there like, you go you know that's that, the word that, yeah that word I feel like really encompasses it and yeah like someone who possesses character and like usually the people who possess character have gone through character assassinations obviously and yes. so <laughs> you know that speaks back to like the trauma that we've been through everyone fucking has it you know there was a, an interview that i listened to today it was actually jay-z and he was talking about every single person every single person has like god i think he referred to it as god level genius and it's like, it's like, I've, re- I've heard it referred to as like God spark. Um, and it's like that just the, an unimaginable, boundless brilliance that each person has. And unfortunately, the world that we live in, you know, like, kind of creates carbon copies of people. You know, it's, it, oh. I, I've, I've thought that as well, like, I, I introspect on myself a lot and like there's certain things that I'm good at that I know I'm good at and I'm trying to push that out to the world. Like with my poetry and online space, I've got this sort of ability to, you know, like some some level of talent plus an ability to sort of share the talent I've got, the, yeah. the vulnerability that I've got in a way that people are starting to connect with. So it's just sort of like I found the intersection between talent and sort of vulnerability that I can put out there um, and it's just worked for me. But had I been born in a different place or had different life experiences or different opportunities, different time frame, I wouldn't be able to put out the, yeah, the, that spark. I'm not saying that I've hit my spark, you know, like it's obviously, it's a, it's a process. Um, yeah. um, and like, you know, not to, you know, Jay-Z's got a level of talent that, uh, you know, or he's been able to connect to that. Like you look at people that are doing what they're doing, like the the high performers in any field, the artists, the athletes, the business people, the people that are like, killing it in whatever field you know even teachers like there's, there's some some you know i'm a high school teacher by trade and i know some teachers that they they will only ever be you know only ever be a teacher but the kids that are in their class remember them as like you know the best teacher of all time because they're they've hit that mark but i just fear like you've said like the world it sort of creates carbon copies because in order to survive in order to to, to get by, you have to do certain things. And, you know, part of my, my life journey here is to work out how can I turn towards, you know, like, like move towards a life where I'm sort of in flow, where my creativity, my artistry is providing enough income to survive. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't want much. I just want to be able to survive off the art. 
um, off off that spark, off that creation, and then we can move down for move, move forward there. And and I think there's a connection, you know, art, life, sex, intimacy. It's all it's all interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Yeah. I'm, and that's why one reason I think I am so drawn towards like artists, like no matter like if they're having like my same beliefs in the world and everything. So to answer that question more fully too, but yeah, I mean, that was also beautiful. And that like sparked my curiosity on if your poetry and that way of expression was something that, you know, you've always been into or was it something that was more developed as you grew older? Um, That would be something that I'm curious to know. So. When I was sort of growing up in high school, I moved out of home at 16, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, Same year. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of um, trauma, neglect issues, um, issue, home, home life issues. Um, and at school, I was very much down the maths path, very left brain thinking. And I think because my life was chaos, maths, science, that sort of thought made sense. It's like there's a right or a wrong. And if you follow the rules of maths, you get the right answer. And on top of that, the the English sort of literature exposure just went right over my head and it was taught by people that I felt didn't get it. You know, po- we're learning poetry now, you know, <laughs> throwing shade here on some of the greatest poets of all time, but, you know, sharing, you know, Romeo and Juliet with a year seven or year nine kid that's going through trauma, who can't connect to the old timey language, who doesn't get it by a teacher that themselves doesn't quite get it is a way to turn someone off poetry for life Mm, Um, or like you know in Australia there's this sort of tendency it's like look at these Australian poets that were around in the 1900s talking about 1900s life you'll connect to that no we won't like I just simply don't connect to it so only until very later on my my wife is or you know was and she's coming back into the space she was a poet she had a book put out there her her grandfather's a um a was a famous author in Serbia. Um, so she shared her poetry and it was the first poetry that I connected with, you know, just by, you know, a person that I knew. And it was this expression that had a flow. And I'm like, and it wasn't like the traditional, like, you know, there's this sort of like traditional forms of poetry that you sort mm-hmm. of have to, you know, A, A, B, C, B rhyme structures or that sort of stuff. It was just more free flowing. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's just if something clicked one of her poems just just opened up this space to me and I'm like, oh, okay, it's expression. And then from there it's turned into this sort of writing down the the path of the, the traumas and all of this sort of stuff, getting it all out there. And then it became sort of a, a healing, a, a flow, a process. I'm putting words to things that I blocked out completely. So it's sort of like reclaiming my past. So, so, doubt, so it's like I've, I've come from, yeah, I, but prior to all of this trauma, as a very, very young kid, I remember writing, right? So it's sort of like I had this sort of thing that was blocked off and now it's sort of coming back and I'm just sort of pushing it. And I obviously push writing, but like you said, this primal dancing, I've got a friend who engages with um, primal movements or maybe I think she uses a different word to describe it, but it's sort of like, it sort of looks like yoga that's just sort of free flowing and it's sort of like moving with the way the body moves. And I'm like, if that's what, if that's the expression that you need, sure. If it's, canvas or digital visual art sure if it's i don't know i'm I'm all about like finding that way to express you know like like life is art business is art work is art so it's sort of like it's it it went from like sort of this completely blocked off thing into 
sort of long form texts into just writing to express into every aspect of life. And that sort of ties back into this podcast, right? This discussion as art. You know what I mean? Like it's there's something there's something there. So obviously I've gone on a bit of a tangent from what you were what you initially asked, but like like sex itself can be just, you know, I can masturbate and get off because it's a release. Or I can check into an energy. Or we can come together and reach this same point. Or we can, you know, like we can connect beyond sex. Like sex isn't the epitome of vulnerability or intimacy in my mind. It's a level, it's a type, but you can connect down different paths as well. It's just, yeah, life is art, I suppose, is the uh is the is the summary of that. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's one of my also my favorite mottos to go by and like life is like the holy altar like you are the offering you are the artist you know you are what you get to offer up to this life that you're living and it gets to be one of like the greatest love stories that is ever told for each person i feel and you know dropping into what you were talking about around the survival piece is something that I do in my one-on-one work is embodiment archetypes and going into like our life story and our soul contracts to find like what lessons we're moving through and how to better serve life and the survival piece to it I find is so interesting and how that shows up because we each have these different archetypes of survival no matter who you are every single person has them and if it's okay like I'll give a little like breakdown of what those are and just how they are guardians to ourselves Mm, yeah go for it okay cool so we have the victim and that's something that like we were just talking about uh sex and sexuality and kink and like the victim like it was just on my mind spinning its little wheels but then there's the saboteur and we talked about sabotage i i brought that up how that actually might be a kink for some people and then there's the child obviously we can like paint that (laughs) into so much of how we're molded and like the daddy issues mommy issues that are running rampant in all levels um and like how the child had to learn how to survive and different wounds that we've gone through but then also there's the prostitute and this shows up in each person as well and these are all different guardians like the prostitute is a guardian of our faith and so someone while someone might not literally go down the path of sex work and that was something that when I turned like I was just 18 it was like that's where I was going towards and then just took like a complete like other turn through a curveball I threw at me and that archetype has still shown up though and like it's related to like my money shit I think sex and sex for women at least what I can speak to is directly related to men and money and so a lot of our sex shit that we have is related to the same issues that we have with money and men (laughs) and so you know historically speaking you know a lot of cultures had this sort of trade virginity for Mm -hmm. stability and stability in in terms of a man providing income and a house for the you know the the vulnerable virgin woman it's it's sort of like you know 
not saying that's in any way good, but it, yeah. if you look historically speaking, um, that seems to be the trade and like that perme- permeates through through um through history that like you know what what um what is a a good moral valued um female in society it's like one that just saves herself for marriage and protection and how how do you provide worth by by giving the man sex and he gives you security and it's like obviously there's a lot of um a lot of uh issues and problematic stuff there but it's it's unsurprising that there is that sort of archetype given you know history (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's so much more fresh that in our generations than we think about you know it's was not long ago women were considered property and we're still facing those issues um today in different areas as well but you know with that it's interesting you speak to that because in ancient civilizations Especially what I'm speaking to mostly is like within Egypt and the lineages of the priestesses there. They actually, and this is so interesting, the whore was more valuable than the virgin. And that's something that's not spoke about. You don't, you don't hear that story told as much as you hear what is, what's been more fresh, the wound that's more fresh. But dating back to that time, I mean, there were basically modern day, if you take like a prostitute ring, right? It Basically, there were sex temples where it was the same exact thing and priests or, you know, wealthy men, very valuable, quote unquote, men would come to the temples and they would experience sexual healing and they would choose one of the temple you know, modern day sex workers, basically. But these were, you know, women who were initiated through sexual arts, through spiritual technology, and they would do healing work with these men. But it's so interesting, you know, like, the men would come for like weeks and have like, um, you know, a chest of jewels delivered or like fine fabrics and like, you know, high quality, like, fruits and nuts and you know all of the things that the goddesses would want before they would be even like considered to um receive that healing as well i want to take it down a slightly different path down this idea of sexual healing um because it's sort of what am i trying to say there's there's a issues with sexual healing um, with sort of um, some sort of like you know the, the the interplay between cults and sexual healing is a big problem. Like I I remember going to an ashram um, for a while as a meditative place, and I'm like this is lovely and wonderful, and then it was revealed that the uh, the guru guy was um, fucking all of his followers um, and claiming it to be sexual healing, and you know there was issues with consent, issues with um, what it was being spoken about, and all of that sort of stuff. But part of my mind goes like, obviously that's wrong. But part of my mind goes, there there seems to need to be a space for sexual healing, right? And I'm not sure, like maybe maybe you're speaking to this a little bit, but if someone's had sexual trauma, and I, you know, like they they sort of need to work away and process that, and 
we, you know, in, in the West, we have this, um, you know, you see a psychologist, maybe you get medication, all of that sort of stuff. But I'm seeing people through this podcast, through, you know, the online Instagram space, people are saying that they're sort of getting this sort of sexual therapy through BDSM. Um, yes. And it, like, it makes me wonder if society was structured differently or if there were safeguards in place. I, I can't imagine the practical nature of how to do this without like, you know, exploitation and just, you know, it, it, it won't practically work, but I'm, I'm imagining like a fictional society in which there's like sexual therapy. Maybe it's administrated by a robot. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm trying to like take the, um, the, the consent and the human. Yeah, I, don't, I don't exactly know where I'm going with this. But I love it. There is, there's definitely a need. Like if you've, if you've, like, like sex and sexuality is such an important aspect of what it means to be human. And if you are deficient, if you've been abused, if you've been neglected, if you've just avoided that issue or that part of yourself in life, I fear that there's no, there's no like sort of societal recompense for that that directly addresses it at least in the west and like maybe that's where the tantra and you know these sort of discussions and like the bdsm scene sort of fills that fills that gap do you know what i mean but it's like where where can one oh how, how can you sort of go down that healing path should you need it? how do you even know that you need sexual healing right yeah it, oh, it's it's like we don't even have the narratives to understand what it means to have have um sexual health per se does it mean that you're regularly having sex does it mean you're getting off does it mean you're getting your partner off does it mean that you're you know looking inwards and going well what do i need and is that are those needs being fulfilled is it appealing to an external norm that we should all sort of go for you know yeah oh so much in that to unpack and you're talking to probably the right person for it um i'll get really vulnerable here and share I was actually in a real life physical cult, uh, spiritual, uh, experience where that was a huge part of my living experience. And I watched several other women go through it as well. This was like on a micro scale. Um, it wasn't like a known cult that you could go out and really look at and see in history, but it was on a micro level and still nonetheless, it was one of my experiences. And so everything that I'm living now is walking that path of healing. That's who I am. And like, I hate the whole notion of like, oh, like, you know, you should thank your trauma because like now it's like helped you open up to like all of these gifts that you have, but also it has on a lot of levels and the healing can I feel I, like can I just me. jump jump in there that that interplay yeah. between yeah it's like the trauma sort of made me into who I am I don't like the fact that I went through the trauma but I'm here now and I can't take it back so there is this sort of love hate weirdness going on there mm -hmm. I can I can connect to that and it's sort of like would you take it back and I'm like yes but no and it's, yeah. it's there's this weirdness there anyway sorry just to interject on that one it's yeah, no. it's hard um it is so so like the, the whole cult space is interesting because mm -hmm. you know like you said it's a micro a micro cult like it's if if there's it doesn't have to be a big thing for it to be impactful you know if mm -hmm. if i mean like the microist cult is a narcissist one yeah. narcissist abusing one victim that can't bring themselves to escape their clutches right do you, yeah. do you know what i mean like that 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 feels to me very cult like if you look at what yes. what a narcissist does to yeah. their you know no. one yeah. partner victim so mm -hmm. it's just that if if that person 
uh, has you know what three followers, ten followers. They're, they're doing the behavior that a that are just a narcissistic, abusive partner would do, just with a bit yeah. more finesse, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, and that that was like pretty. You nailed it to a T. Kind of what I went through, and it wasn't until like I worked with people that they were like, okay, yeah, like what you actually went through was like narcissistic abuse. And so like unpacking like a lot of that, you know, like, and then like the ties to it being a really highly unethical polyamorous relationship too. And so one thing that you were speaking to of like the, the world and all of our different views, it's like, there will be some people who will have differing, different opinions. You know, some people will, want to be monogamous some people will want to have multiple partners or different relationship dynamics and that's where like you know it's so unfortunate truly that there's been so much compromised by the integrity of these narcissistic people who are truly mentally ill and who have inflicted uh pain onto people and when it shows up sexually too i mean i would say humanity's biggest wound is revolved around sex and, you know, that relates to all of us. And so we're all like collectively going through what um, I, I don't know a lot of religions that see like a collective karma as much as like personal karma. But the way I see it is it's, you know, we're all like in this collective um, paradigm and so part of it is choice. Um, and part of it is, um, you know, the just lived experiences of generation to generation and it's all like stacked up on top of each other but integrity lives in our bodies and we can't ever know if we're in integrity if we're not like feeling actually what's in our body but unfortunately at least what I've experienced with the narcissist is they don't have the ability to do that and so I would it would be really interesting to see how we could bring back these spaces and have it be at the forefront. But also then I think the very structure of society, what there would have to be a lot of changes. And I feel like everyone would need a say in things. And we're starting to see little glimpses of that, I feel, but then it's like, how much more distorted can it get? Because everyone's at conflict, like with something, it seems like. It's it's an interesting space we find ourselves in with modern modern technology, you know, the ability for everyone to talk to everyone all the time, sort of. And like, you know, the the trends and the mob mentality and the psychology that we don't quite understand. The the globalization, the there's, there's so much going on that I think I think it's very easy to think that you know, what we're experiencing is normal because it's our normal, but like we're on literally on the other side of the globe right now, you and me. And yet we're having a conversation in real time and thousands of people are going to listen to this conversation post-fact. Like that's not normal. Do you know what I mean? Um, so so it's yeah. like you, you're talking on a level of like, you know, world healing. But mm -hmm. if we strip strip humanity right back to, you know, the animal that we evolved into, world healing would have meant, you know, in like like fixing the society of 150 to 1,000 members of you know, whatever size the human tribe was, right? With numbers that size, you can effectively implement change. You can have connections with everyone. You can work out sort of like a a, a quasi-communistic um, democratic um, society that has influences from everyone where you can share far more because it's, you know, that 
societal structure in a small tribe would look significantly different to mega societies where there's millions or billions of people trying to sort of come to harmony. Because, you know, if you've got a million people, we all have differing views and opinions. So what I, what I sort of, my sort of view on all of this is that it's whilst it would be ideal to have world change realistically, all I can do is change my own behavior. All I can do is attempt to pass on to my children, to the people that interact with me, listeners of the podcast, what I view to be the right view. But a part of me knows that that I am just another human that's projecting my opinion. So like, although it feels like I am insightful, it feels like I've been introspective, it feels like I'm tapping into the divine or whatever sort of we're talking about here, mm-hmm. I'm well aware that that's just my own inner bias believing that I am speaking truth, you know, like wouldn't the world be great if everyone thought like me? Well, it feels like it feels like that in the, in the first instance, but I know that I'm also flawed. And I also know that beauty comes from the, um, the connection between the differences. But then I'm also like, well, there's clearly some things wrong or some things that aren't optimal. So I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm torn as to what to do other than to sort of work out what it means to have integrity and this is this is sort of what I'm going for with the kinky conversations part. It's um you know informed enthusiastic consent, open and honest communication, and then just sort of like a, a questioning of societal norms, um because perhaps like you said with the the open relationships versus monogamous versus whatever we're doing here, perhaps what you want or need in this life isn't what society has said that you should need. And if you can, you know, obviously given those first two things, open honest communication and consent, if you can find a non-traditional, um, you know, non-normal quote unquote relationship structure or ideal and that works for you, great. Like, wouldn't it be good to to live on a, you know, a collective, you know, in a, in a collective where, you know, if you've got kids, other families could mind your kids. That sounds like a great idea, but most most people don't even know their neighbors. Wouldn't it be good for some of us if you had this open relationship where you're like, you know, I could just, you know, we could sleep together and there's not this issue of awkwardness of cheating. It's actually like we're actually just, we're, we're adding value because we're both sort of, you know, like you said that earlier on in the conversation, this sort of like reset from orgasm, right? It's like, well, I don't have to have that with my primary partner. Like I come back to my primary partner after a mind-blowing orgasm. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be, um, I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm going to be, you know, if you look at the interaction post that fact, we're going to be in a great space. Wouldn't that be good for some of us? So I don't know, maybe there's a space that we can, um, you know, a ground roots action where you can just consider, if possible, making the choices that would best lead to your own sort of happiness, provided the informed, enthusiastic consent sort of situation. But once again, this is just what I want. So I could, I'm, I'm more than welcome to have pushback from you or for anyone listening that it's just, this is just my own internal world. Yes, I know. Right. And well, what you're saying to like, you know, a smaller structured society of like 2000 people. Well, imagine if, 2000 people are listening to this and oh my gosh, we all just created some form of like a touch point in our bodies where we're going to, rem- you know, you might remember something like this, something might stick with one person. And then that creates a little bit more harmony or coherency throughout the whole. And yeah, this I, is, I this is exactly my, exactly my process with 
putting out my poetry and writing. It's all sort of like, here's my pain on the page. But my hope is, is that people will see me doing this for years and eventually they'll read a poem or they'll just see me doing it again and they'll be like, oh, I should try that. And then it spreads like a positive healing um, virus, you know, like it's like a contagion of um, creative expression and then getting more people writing, you know, writing poetry for healing, writing to heal because it's like they're yeah. connected on that touch point. But like you said, with with sex and sexuality, with relationship styles, with thinking styles, that's exactly what this this podcast is doing. Like hopefully, you know, people that connect to what you're doing and what you're saying and the energy that you're bringing, they're like, oh. There's other people out there that think like me, or oh, mm-hmm. she's got a, 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 a an idea or a worldview that I haven't considered, but it's it's resonating. I want to look into that further, and maybe they connect to the you know your teachers' teachings, or they connect to you, and now they've got more value in their life. They've got more connection to their core truth. That's the positive side of the internet. That's the positive side of what we can bring this this connection. Because yeah, we can't have necessarily a physical tribe. But I'll tell you what, there's people online that I, I listen to that I've never met that I look up to as sort of, they wouldn't consider themselves spiritual leaders, but in my mind they are because they're speaking to truths that I need to hear. And some of them I've, I've still got, some of them I listen to and they, they filled a gap, you know, 10 years ago and I haven't looked at them since, but it's like that they gave me what I needed in that space. So there's this sort of what it means to be a human and connect is evolving and changing. Yeah, and there's many truths within each human being. And then so there's kind of like this idea of a high, like the highest truth. And like, yeah, we can have like many truths and those truths can even conflict within ourselves and we can feel conflicted with like, you know, that's where like confusion and suffering comes in. And what you spoke to around the choice, like it's interesting enough because the victim survival embodiment archetype is a guardian of our choice um, or the saboteur, actually, not the victim. And so choice, okay, let's choose to not sabotage ourselves or we can take it another step further. If that doesn't work for you and you still sabotage yourself after trying to convince yourself out of sabotaging yourself, then how about let's actually try that on and turn ourselves on fully and be like, I fucking love it when I sabotage myself. Oh, Ooh, I'm so yes. when I sabotage myself. And like, strip off those layers like own it because like that's a part of the truth like own it and so you can take those layers off and that's a huge part of that too because like i I love that approach it's it's like let go make a different choice and if you can't well you've got to accept like like what can you do you you Mm -hmm. you can you know and i believe you've got to do both by the way like like at times like i don't believe that mental illness is a choice like by all means like i don't choose what goes on but there are moments Definitely. there are moments that I can choose different options right yeah. so if you've got a choice make the better choice for your long-term growth right that's that's what I believe like if you can choose to shower or not shower in your day and that's all that your day persists because it's a real shit mental health day shower right if you can or just you know don't self-harm you know whatever what, you know like make make a positive choice where possible but also you've like you said you've just got to accept i haven't thought of it um from a sexual perspective and using it like that's that's a really um 
interesting, unique approach. So you're you're saying to like like because you've got it like if you cut like you've got to accept I've got to accept the dark shadow. I've got to accept mm-hmm. the parts of me that want vengeance or, on my abusers. Like that's that's a yeah. legit part of me, and it's like I don't like that part of me, but it's there. You know, mm-hmm. I had this conversation with my psychologist literally yesterday. We're talking about going into EMDR therapy and this sort of stuff too. And part of that is sort of recognizing the different parts of you. And like, it sounds similar to what you're saying with these archetypes, different language, but it's sort of like Western Mm -hmm. psychology is like putting into this. It's like, well, part of you did want vengeance. Part of you did want to protect part of, you know, all of these things. And like, all of those are different parts of you. And then there's this sort of external part, which is sort of like the, um, the central executive, the thing that's sort of making those choices. So there's, there's a connection there, but Mm -hmm. I do want to drill down upon, you're saying that if you have a, a darkness, some sort of like pain that you can't sort of like step away from, or you've, you've tried to, you know, like you're, you're saying to like embody that and get off on that or get off with that. Is that sort of how, how are you like, I'm curious as once again, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the process of doing that. So you, you recognize that a part of you, how, I suppose, I suppose, how can you get off on the fact that you're self-sabotaging like like are we mm. talking like you've you've let yourself get like super drunk or you've 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 entered a risky sexual thing and like that's a self-sabotaging behavior but you're like no fuck it i'm leaning into this now yeah like, it, it feels sort of semi-risky yeah. though like how do you yeah. how do you stay yeah, safe I, doing I, that there's a lot of intricacies there definitely um and there's a book that i'll link by carolyn elliott that I would love you to share with the audience for them to go in and explore um, kind of like our existence being rooted in kink. And with this though, I mean, I'm not saying go out and continually sabotage yourself to turn yourself on because you're actually probably going to feel like shit if that happens. But when you look at it from a healing perspective, you are doing something because it's serving you. And so it's serving your conditions. And those are kind of like those beliefs around like our shoulds or like what society tells us we should do. Like you shouldn't have sex until marriage or like, oh, I should only like, this is a really good one to work with. I should only have sex with a certain type of person because if not, that means I'm a bad person. Like noticing what your thoughts are and like what you're making something mean about yourself. and then you can, you know, kind of lighten up, I feel, of all of this heaviness, because your heaviness doesn't mean light or, well, it doesn't mean like shadow or like right or wrong darkness, but it definitely brings you to a a more state of embodying your light when you can, you know, really be like, oh, wow, like, I am living this life of sexy mess and yes, I am self-sabotaging myself. But then like, how is that serving me? Oh, it's serving me because I actually don't want the responsibility of living the life of my dreams because if I live the life of my dreams and then I fail, then it's going to validate everything that my parents ever said that I couldn't do it. It's going to validate those beliefs that you couldn't do it. And so you're sabotaging that but then you're able to get to the roots of like what's going on here with why you're sabotaging yourself. And then like you learn to love that part of yourself as a part by trade. I'm a death worker and I, that's emotional and physical. I do. It's intertwined. And I have learned a lot through this process and what happens 
within ourselves is we go through these like micro death and rebirths, but sometimes we go through really big processes in our life where like we are like shedding our skin fully. And what happens is we get to let go of those parts of ourself in love. Do you really like, this is something to ask yourself. Do you really want to let go of all of those parts of yourself? Like the part of yourself that like fucked yourself over, like your inner abuser, the, those mean thoughts. Do you really want to let go of those with the same energy of like, fuck you. I hate myself. I'm not worthy. So like, I'm just trying, you know, you're just trying to like light something on fire and like throw it away, but it's just like keeps coming back. And so if you can let go of it by acknowledging what the part of you that did what you had to do to survive. If you can acknowledge and bring awareness to, wow, that version of myself who didn't respect or know my worth, she was really, really good at making sure that, you know, whatever the experience was. For me, a huge part of this was making sure that I survived that I could get through like literal life in an abusive relationship. You know, when I was like, you know, laying that part of myself to rest, I had to look at myself and be like, wow, you knew how to survive. And I'm letting that part go because I can step into beyond how I'm sabotaging myself and into my choice. And, or I can step beyond having to like prostitute my energy out and have faith in myself and in this life or step beyond the victim and, you know, all of these like lower things that what happens in spirituality a lot is they tell you to avoid the negative, like good vibes only type of shit. Um, I think that's that's like, I want to speak to what you've said, but that feels, um, that sort of like only positivity speaks to, I don't know, it feels like a level of ignorance or like pop spirituality, like yeah, good vibes only. I don't know. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, like, like you've the got to. And the shame. Cause they're like, shame is your key to wisdom. You know, like, Ooh, yeah, that's powerful. Things, you know, all of these, these are all archetypes that we get to embody and they get to show up in all parts of our life. I, I will get you to send me the link to both your teacher and to this book. So we'll put those in the show notes. Um, there's There seems to be like a couple of things that you're talking about. Just it's it's embracing the totality of yourself. And like you've said, looking at the parts of yourself that might've been self-destructive that haven't quite disappeared. So yeah, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm on board with what you're saying. Like there's a part of me that wants to embrace sort of like a reckless sexuality. Like, you know, sort of like, I forget what the um the, the the sex ed term was, but it's like, you know, like like having having unprotected reckless sex with with strangers is like a coping strategy that you know certain conditions, certain people, certain past life experiences go down because it's like mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a sort of destructive coping strategy in a way. But when that sort of at times I'll be talking to people in this space and that, that energy comes back. And I do, I do feel what you're saying. It's like, it's not that I'm going to go self-sabotaging, but there's like a sort of a, an energy there that, that that part of me can embody. And like, I can sort of step into that space a little bit, almost from a healthy perspective and go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go down like, you know, the depths of this part of me, but a little bit of recklessness is actually fun. Do you know what I mean? A little bit of like, 
there's there's a little bit of like ooh, to that, you know, and it's like a little bit of freedom that moving away from like I, you can't embody this sort of reckless sexuality forever because that leads to some dark places and sort of negative consequences. But like turning away from it completely leaves you or leaves me feeling a bit sterile or a bit flat. Just mm-hmm. you know, like it's like yeah. I don't need the f- full one hundred percent, but maybe like a one percent, you know. And when that does pop up, rather than running from it, it's like, yeah, let's lean into it. Let's do that wild kinky shit. Let's let's have sex in public. Like that's not what I want to do all the time. But if we're both vibing on this energy, it's like let's find a park and play, right? Is, does that, is that sort of where where you're sort of like a, a sort of base example of what you're talking about? Like it's not. Yeah, it it can definitely like with it showing up that way for you also specifically, like, can you meet yourself outside of the right and wrong in that? <laughs> and like, allow yourself that, you know, it comes to like what you were saying just, at the beginning of like, kind of accepting like, uh, and allowing yourself to go out and be in the state of connection to like that person on the street. And like, bring that forth. But yes, like, that is a huge part of it. And like the freedom, like if something's bringing you closer to what you feel and you know as freedom, then that's a, a really good place to allow yourself to be led to and follow as well. And that, that freedom itself is differing depending on the emo- mood and the emotion. Like I, I mentioned in another podcast, like I spent a night just sort of talking and writing poetry with my partner, right? No sex. Maybe we kissed like once, right? It, was, it wasn't a sexual night. But that night was – that was the, the expression of the freedom that we're talking, right? And, you know, a small part of my brain was like, no, but a deep night of connection should lead to sex. But that's like that's like a past narrative. That's That's also bullshit that it's like if you can embrace – well, let's embrace the connection and the intimacy and the totality of the moment. That might mean we're, we're, we're fucking in the park – like animals, or it might mean we're, you know, having having a glass of red wine, discussing and creating poetry together. Yeah. With no physical contact, right? Like, like mm-hmm. both of them are equally, but differently good. Yeah. But it's kind a matter of like, of like stepping. Sexuality step- and sexuality, you know, but yes. not, you know, it's kind of the, it's that similar frequency, that thread. And it's like that thread of like following your highest excitement and like, allowing that in the moment though yeah right I, yeah mm-hmm. look we're coming up on time so i want to give you a chance to to tie anything up but i okay. did want to um ask you one more question yeah. or sort of delve into one more little thing that we sort of half touched upon vulnerability like this whole process it feels like you've embraced like you're you're quite vulnerable to your inner world and then to to embrace and accept it and obviously there's an interplay between sort of dominance and submission sexually like if you can be open to your numbness open to the darkness open to the inner archetypes that are you know plaguing you or sort of like probably you know like inner inner thoughts like there's there's a vulnerability that you need to accept and then i can't help but see a a comparison to sex play as a sub or a dom because there's vulnerability on both sides um that that there's something there that you're like oh you know you need to let go and sort of submit or just be vulnerable to the other person, just sex in general, even taking out BDSM, right? There's, there's a level of vulnerability and like this opening. Can you speak to that? And then, and then on top of that, just any, anything that you want to sort of address from what we've covered so far? Yeah. So as, as a switch, I would most 
suitably identify as that. Um, but also like knowing that, like, I have a friend who she told me, um, when she doms people, she's basically just telling them to like <laughs> breathe deep and make sure they, you know, hydrate themselves, you know, it gets to show up in whatever, you know, feels the best for you. But it's like a part of this is like switching into the role of what better serves life. And then like that kind of goes into my meta expansion, what I really live by of like, okay, like, I'm kind of like in service to life. I'm a service sub <laughs> to life. And um, with that, you know, allowing when I am meant to switch into a dominant role, um, doing it and embracing it. And even when it feels like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, like feeling into and leaning in and staying with myself through the whole process is what I would really say, because we're part-time everything, you know, like part-time <laughs> poet, part-time mother, part-time student, teacher, spiritualist, whatever. But like, there's a full-time, like, expansion of elaborate divinity that we're all living here. And so with that, it's like, feeling into what we want in each moment and having the strength to own it is like the key here for me. And hopefully the people listening can also find that key that within inside themselves and also the lock <laughs> is within ourselves too. And so you have both. So, yeah. It sounds like you've got a very strong, I mean, we talked about this at the very start, like your whole thing, like you're connecting to a core self. And then, like, you're able to, from that perspective, address whatever comes up. It's like there's a – it feels like what the energy I'm getting from you is that, like, you've got a core sort of, like, center that you sort of seem to sit in and then sort of external to that, like, other parts of, you know, that's within your sort of <laughs> flesh the, – the flesh being um, in type, the brain, like, those sort of things might come into the awareness of that sort of internal self. And you can address that and then things external to your, you know, your flesh body will come in. But it's like, you've, it sounds like you've got like a strong core that you can sort of direct from. Uh, you feel, it seems like there's a stability there. And no, no wonder when we tie it back to the, the discussion at the start, if you don't do the, um, the morning meditation where you connect into your body, um, what did you call it? The, the pussy, pussification? No, um, yes, pussify your life. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah. you don't when you don't pussify your life, I can see how that would lead to a little bit of dysregulation. Considering like you you seem to be like finding a space of grounding, um, mm -hmm. that you're then it's like no like I'm I'm solid here, but I can address these things that pop up that sort of yeah. might feel more core. Should if you didn't do that same grounding process. Yeah, and you know each time is is just space for us to meet ourselves deeper and like whatever life throws at us you know like an illness or like you know your car has a flat tire you get fired or your job's ending you're just getting to meet yourself through it all or oh gosh you know your partner dumps you or your partner tells you that they want to explore a new type of relationship and it invokes all of your stuff you know like you're meeting yourself in it and so like Finding your center, and for me, finding my center has, you know, been that space where I'm able to stay, stay in the integrity. I'm able to like 
really feel into what I want to do in this lifetime as well and my vision for this life and also just, you know, remaining in play as well, not taking it too seriously while staying in your center. It's not like the solid thing, but yeah, that's been one of the greatest things that's helped me literally pacify my life. And sometimes it's a process, you know, you can do something in your head and it takes longer than you would expect, but I'm, I've come a very long way since, you know, the stories of what I've shared in my life. And I'm so damn proud of myself. And I know that my pussy is also proud of myself. <laughs> and <Yes. each> <laughs> that, you know, I am in service to her. <laughs> so with that, then you, I mean, everything becomes more radiant and rampant. And um, yeah, just beautiful. I think you should be proud of yourself. I'm um, coming from those sort of experiences. You know, any, anyone that's sort of gone through abusive relationships, whether it be like one on one or like with a with a cult situation mm. or just familial, to to be able to to sort of not only survive but sort of move into a space of thriving, is is wonderful. And it seems like, and it sounds like you are doing doing that and sort of you know owning every aspect of yourself, including the darkness. I like what you said there. Um, it's an opportunity to meet yourself. And I suppose that ties back to like the numbness that you described in that event, in that, in that encounter. Like I've had amazing, vibrant sort of like sexual experiences, but I've also had ones that were a mismatch and it's very easy to quickly blame the other person, but I'm, and not just in sexual encounters, but any sort of relationship encounters, or like you said, with life events that are, that are challenging, you're meeting yourself. You're so right. Like how much of the pain and the suffering is a part of you not connecting to another part of you, not gelling with another part of you, right? It's like, did you, did I have a mismatch with this partner? And that meant that the sex was mundane or was it that I wasn't connected into myself? Did I make a wrong decision? Why did I even initiate? Like, there's was it was I acting on a past narrative? Like there's so many things that you can turn the camera back inwards, and not not just sexually. Like I, I honestly feel like there's a direct connection between sexual lessons and life lessons because it's like a microcosm. But it's like, why did I accept that job? You know, I accepted the job for the money. Okay, well, it wasn't that much more money, but there's a level of greed. Is it greed? Is it fear? You know, or why did I accept having having a relationship with that person? Did I do it because there's that sort of masculine thing of like just, you know, another notch on the belt. That means you're a good man, quote unquote. You know, like, is that was that the narrative that I was speaking to? Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you, yeah. you're finding that Yeah, it's like and like all of these thoughts pop up. And if there is a disconnect, if there is pain, if just a little bit of you can just turn and look at that. And sort of try and get the lesson. Like I, I do, I do martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. When you when you lose, when you're about to lose, you tap, right? Basically saying to the other person that you give up, you submit. And every time that happens, if you want to get better, like I've been doing it for ten years now. If you want to get better, every time you tap, you should think to yourself, "Well, yeah, I lost." But rather than sort of getting upset, you still get upset. But like, what's the lesson? Do you know what I mean? Like, that, like yeah. there's a, every every tap is a lesson, but I suppose the extension of that is every time there's negativity in your mind, every time something flares up, every time there's a disconnect, there's a lesson there, right? Yeah, and it would be equally the opposite as well. When you're in that space of creative vibrance, your mind reflects sacredness, and you know, taking it, you know, a, another step into spirituality with what you're speaking to, 
Um, my grandfather always used to tell me no pain, no gain after I was in a really severe accident. And, you know, the dance between pain and pleasure has been something I've been exploring so much. But, you know, it's so interesting because in a lot of spiritual teachings, they say that, like, there's no such thing as loss or gain. And so, you know, I would like dwindle back into like those life lessons of mine. Like my grandfather told me no pain, no gain. But then now it's like, what, what is there to gain? And it's like, I, but we've always had our freedom. It's just like the belief that we don't have our freedom or the belief that we're not enough that is actually like creating it. But that's not like, that's just covering up the baseline of like, what is real truth of like our deservingness and, you know, who we are, but we create these really unique challenges and obstacles uh and you know fights within ourselves to be able to learn something and i think that there's so much um there's something really special about that uh, to our soul and we're going through the these depths to be able to create more sacredness within ourselves for the next life you know there's that aspect that you spoke to with the past lives too that's like right on and then eventually you'll meet people and you're like, wow, like these people have like the same type of beliefs as me, or this person's going to challenge me and help me rise. There's growth to it. There's harmony, self-love, there's destruction, <laughs> you know, there's possibility to all of it. Look, here's to finding people that you can connect with in that sense. Um, we we are coming up on time, but I do want to give you an opportunity because we've covered a whole variety of different topics here, um, and I feel like we could sort of go into the nitty gritties on all of this for for quite a long time. Um, but for the moment, is there anything that you would like to sort of come back to that we might have moved on from, or things that you'd like to just sort of reemphasize um, mm. before we sign off? Yeah, I feel like you know, I feel like we just did that, and. Um, I don't think that there's anything that more wants to be shared. It feels like there's a completion. And within that, like, you know, everything that we spoke to, there is like a completion and end to things. There's like, you know, life and death, masculine, feminine, all of the opposites. And yeah, I feel like that completion is here. And I hope that this message, you know, this podcast is going to serve the hearts that receive it and just allow themselves to open up to whatever new depth. I will say if anyone has any questions on how to develop their own personal practice, I would be open and available. And I know you would share my Instagram in the links for that. Mm -hmm. So if that's something where people are like, okay, I kind of get it, but what the hell's going on here? Then for sure. Um, I would love to, talk more about that but this was all so inspiring and thank you so much for having me honestly it was such a pleasure thank, thank you i i find it interesting like i said in the in the talk there we like i spoke to a psychologist and she's using similar words like literally yesterday similar words to describe things that you're you're saying and like she's approaching it from a different perspective but it's like the same sort of healing you know the same yes. sort of message the same sort of approach i just love seeing different people's approaches to life and how they're sort of integrating the darkness and the light and like sort of so so like in terms of like you're saying i hope someone's gotten something from it i definitely have myself so you know you've, 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 <laughs> ah, yeah <laughs> you've, you've, 
you've hit the nail. I will definitely put the links to all of the stuff we've talked about. I'll get you to send me through that sort of stuff and I'll put the links to your social. People can reach out and connect. Um, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers to all the different perspectives. Everyone's got medicine. So thank you. 100%. Sharing, sharing the collective medicine. It's funny, like these talks, um, you know, I'll have a conversation like this sort of spiritual, sexual, spiritual, sensual style conversation with you. But then I'll have a conversation with someone who's talking about like, you know, completely like it's a completely different energy in the sense of like, like if you just sort of sort of just look at the surface level, but they're still sharing, you know, with their story of like their adventure and their play and stuff. It's it's a different vibe, but at the core, there's this sort of their own energy is coming out in that. It's it's really wonderful to see the similarities and differences. And it's like, you know, sexual healing, energetic healing, life healing, all that sort of stuff. So thank you for sharing your perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah, the similar threads. It's amazing. So <laughs> All right. Have, have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. I just want to give a super special thank you to Opal for jumping on board the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation and upon re-listening, this whole concept of life and sex as art is really hitting home and it sort of is in line with everything that I've been thinking about both in my personal and professional life. I like to do this podcast and my website and even just the social media posts as an art form. Not posting because I have to not creating because that's what will work, but because it is what it will fit with who and what I am right now. And then the same thing's true for sex, sensuality and connection down all of those paths. Because, you know, looking back, the best connections I've had in and out of the bedroom are one when I'm in line with myself and what I'm after and what I'm feeling, as well as the people or partners that I'm with. That vibe, that connection, is invigorating when it's in sync no matter what the activity is so thank you so much for jumping on board the podcast opal and i'll put the links so you can follow her and check out all the different stuff that she recommended the books and the teaching and all of that stuff if you'd like to support this podcast the best thing you can do is give it a rate and review recommend it to someone let them know it exists and say hey you'll absolutely love this podcast you could also grab a copy of the book Kink, Volume 1. It's a collection of BDSM and kinky-inspired short fiction and poetry. The ebook's only a few bucks, and I narrate the audiobook. You could also support the podcast on Patreon. Patreon supporters on the $5 tier will get early access to all episodes, exclusive access to behind-the-scenes recordings, and the Kinky Community Discord channel, as well as exclusive access to the sultry sound bites. So for all these benefits and more, sign up to the $5 tier on Patreon. The links are in the show notes. And just on this topic, it really means a lot to me for those people that have chosen to sign up. It shows me that you're really enjoying what I'm doing here and you want to make my job easier. It takes me about six to eight hours to edit, record, upload, write, and do all of the things necessary to get this podcast out to you. So it's basically a day per podcast for me. So if you want to support that process, if you want to help me get more content out, if you want to say thanks, I appreciate it. So please, jump on board the Patreon, help me out. And if you'd like to be a guest of the podcast, or a sponsor, hit me up on social media, 
or shoot me an email and we'll make it happen. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Kinky Conversations podcast. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. But before you go, I'll leave you with a part from the book, Kink, Volume 1. Enjoy. The Agreement A long time ago, society and tradition got married. Initially, they lived in bliss, and humanity prospered. Great cities were erected, laws were created, money was invented, and religions were discovered. But over time, tradition grew discontented with society. For society was always changing, and in turn, was constantly pressuring tradition to change as well. Tradition believed that whilst sex was necessary, it was in fact a necessary evil. One to be tolerated, but also to be shunned. Sex was best performed via ritual, only ever to be used for procreational purposes. Society, on the other hand, was not in one mind about sex. Some parts agreed with tradition's beliefs, whilst others were radically opposed. Some parts wanted the freedom to explore sex in all its forms, and others wanted the freedom to abstain. Some parts simply craved pleasure for pleasure's sake, citing sex as God's greatest gift and viewing tradition's belief as sacrilege. This fundamental difference was a constant source of marital tension. Tradition could not change, and society could not stay still. So they fought, and in the process, great swathes of humanity lost their lives. These deaths were unsustainable, and began to threaten tradition and society's very existence. Shocked to the core, they finally realised that their relationship was falling apart, and with it, everything good they had created together. But they also recognised their inherent incompatibility. If nothing changed, their relationship would end, and humanity would fall. Thus, tradition agreed to look the other way if society agreed to work with it to impose morality upon humanity. Tradition knew that by accepting morality into their relationship, society would also be accepting shame, and thus, desire for change would be drastically reduced. And society knew that if tradition looked the other way, humanity would still be able to explore sexuality as it pleased, despite the myriad of shame that now accompanied it. Like most marital compromises, neither party was happy, and it was the children who suffered worst of all. Now, for the most part, humanity has limited its sexual experimentation to the realm of fantasy. Always hoping for more, but never acting to acquire it. Always wishing they could, but never having the courage to do so. Watching make-believe movies and reading fictional stories about things they will never do more than just think about. Full of desire, and with no easy way to satisfy it, most of humanity simultaneously idolises and shuns the few who manage to brazenly navigate their shame. Why? Because those precious few are free. Their very existence serves as an act of defiance. They disregard tradition and create their own morality, and in doing so, they transcend society. 
You've been listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast.